Grace and peace to everyone. It's David Blackman with Stories from the Center podcast and our special guest here today, Reverend David Woodhouse. Friends, we are so, so thankful for David Woodhouse. David is is um, being appointed to, to become the new pastor at Hay Street United Methodist Church. For those of you that did not know, I'll be taking on a role as a district superintendent for the Beacon District here um, at the end of June. And David will be moving in the last week of June to become pastor here at Hay Street. Um, so more on that. Let's um, talk a little bit about, as we always do, to start off our podcast um, with what we're about and what we're trying to do through this podcast. Let me offer this up to y'all. We believe a podcast can facilitate helpful and holy conversation concerning justice, freedom, and peace. These are real concerns for the Fayetteville community, especially as our city continues to navigate our history, our present realities, and our future possibilities. Participants will reflect on what justice means, the connection freedom has within our community as we uniquely find ourselves positioned to our neighbors at Fort Bragg, and the desire to live together in peace. Through seeking the stories of our people, we will find and celebrate the places where justice, freedom, and peace intersect and inspire listeners, we pray, to do the same thing and practice the same thing in your home communities. So friends, again, we welcome David Woodhouse. And I want to give David just a chance to sort of speak to you all. And um, as you're listening in today, you get to know him a little bit. But we're excited. I'm very excited um, that David's going to become the new pastor here at Hay Street United Methodist Church and continue a long, long legacy, David, of many pastors who've gone before us and and just grateful for, um, for your witness today and your willingness to be a part of the podcast. Welcome again to Stories from the Center. Thank you, David. It's a joy to be with you today. And uh, I really appreciate your excellent leadership there at Hay Street. And I wish you the best as you follow your new appointment into the district superintendency for the Beacon District. Um, I'm so blessed uh, to be invited by Bishop Pope Morgan Ward to come and serve as the pastor there at Hay Street. And as you said, follow a long legacy of very faithful pastors who have served there in the past, including yourself. Um, I think you wanted me to just say a word or two about who I am. And sure. um, I uh, was born in Lexington, North Carolina. I am the grandson of a United Methodist pastor, Ralph Taylor, who was a pastor in the Western Conference. Um, and uh, I grew up attending church all of my life, always uh, in the Methodist Church, the United Methodist Church. My earliest memory of church is at uh, First United Methodist in Lexington, North Carolina on Palm Sunday and entering the sanctuary, uh, being handed a palm branch and being invited to process with the other kids down the aisle as the congregation sang the opening hymn. And uh, that uh, mm. is one of the few memories I have of that early part of my childhood, but it's just etched there, the joyous celebration of God's people in worship. Um, when I was uh, there in Lexington, I attended uh, kindergarten and part of first grade. Uh, shortly after I was born, we moved to Hot Springs, North Carolina. I don't remember much about that other than the pictures I've seen because I was so small. But uh, my younger sister was uh, born in 1967. And uh, right before she was born, my mom said, we need to move back to Lexington. I'm not comfortable uh, giving birth to a baby in Hot Springs, North Carolina, which at that time was two hours away from the closest doctor. So we moved back to Lexington and I entered kindergarten and first grade, and I was in an integrated kindergarten class. And I really didn't think much about it, but actually I guess it was a big deal in the community. Sure. Uh, uh, there were lots of um, folks in the community who were concerned about integration of schools. 
And I think Lexington was one of those places that was slower to integrate than others. But I had a wonderful uh, experience with uh, two wonderful teachers, Mrs. Bell and Mrs. McLaughlin, who welcomed me into their classroom along with my classmates. And we had a wonderful year together. Yeah. Um, and then uh, when I was in the first grade, we moved from there uh, to Whiteville, North Carolina. Uh, my dad was in the textile industry, so he worked first for Burlington Industries, and that's when we were in Lexington and Hot Springs. And then he uh, took a job with National Spinning Corporation, and we moved to Whiteville, North Carolina. And so I went through third to our first to third grade in Whiteville, and then we moved to Washington, North Carolina. And some of my earliest, uh, more vivid memories of church are being a part of the Methodist Church there in Washington, North Carolina, and being included in children's programs and, and uh, activities of the church, vacation Bible school. I lived in a little neighborhood outside of Washington called Ridgewood, and all of our neighbors uh, went to various churches. And so as kids, we would go to everybody's Bible school. Yeah. We would go to the Catholic Bible school and the Baptist Bible school, the Presbyterian Bible school, and of course, the Methodist Bible school. And uh, we just had a great time together in each other's churches. Um, and so I had an ecumenical experience of Christian life from an early age, both through my grandparents and uh, their relationships with other uh, folks from other congregations, other denominations, through my mom and dad, as well as through our neighbors. Uh, when I was in the uh, third grade, we moved from there to uh, to Washington, North Carolina. I've already said that. You're going to have to edit this. You're good, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and uh, and then uh, when we moved from we moved to Washington, we lived on the Pamlico River down in that little neighborhood called Ridgewood. And uh, some of you might know Charlie Michael Smith, who has a house down there on the river, not too far from where we lived in that little neighborhood. And it's a, where the Pamlico River is about a mile wide. And I had many experiences of just uh, feeling the presence and the power of God through nature in time spent in and around that river and running through the woods in, in our neighborhood and surrounding uh, woodlands and uh, getting to know neighbors. We had neighbors from the Netherlands and Norway and other parts of the world that were seemed strange and foreign to me. But, uh, but one thing I do remember about that experience as I look back all these years later is that there was a, a, a beach that was known as the Black Beach in a beach that was known as the White Beach. And I'm not sure that the dividing lines between the two were as firmly set in the time that I lived there, but the shared memory of the community was, this is the Black Beach and this is the White Beach. And that always struck me as really odd as a kid because we all swam in the same river. Right. And, um, and, uh, and I attended integrated schools all through my uh, years of public school, uh, K through 12. Uh, we moved from there to Wilson when I was in the sixth grade. My dad uh, got out of the textile industry, became a management consultant, and eventually ended up working with the community college there in Wilson as the head of the small business center and the business department of the community college. Uh, I was confirmed at First United Methodist Church in Wilson, had wonderful pastors in Barney Davidson, and Rick Clayton was our associate pastor, and Langel Watson. And then I left from... Uh, from First Church Wilson and went off to UNC Chapel Hill and had a pastor named George Johnson, who was there with me for four years at University Methodist, and Manuel Workman, who was the 
uh, campus minister at the Wesley Foundation, and I was really active both at University Methodist and in the Wesley Foundation throughout my college years. I had uh, two wonderful roommates my freshman year at UNC. Uh, one was a fellow named Jason Wu, who was a second generation uh, Taiwanese immigrant. His mom and dad had immigrated over from Taiwan to the United States, and he was born here in the United States. And then my other roommate was a, a black fellow named Reggie Holly from Benson, North Carolina, whose mother was a, a single parent school teacher in Benson. And uh, the three of us lived together our freshman year uh, for several months before they moved us from what was called a temporary triple into moving Reggie out and putting him in another room on South Campus. But the three of us continue to maintain contact with each other throughout our years at UNC. And uh, I just, I, I was blessed to learn from them about life that was different than my life. Um, and, and particularly from Reggie to hear uh, stories about his experience of growing up in North Carolina and how different that was from my experience of growing up in North Carolina. Um, Reggie went on to be vice president of our student body there at UNC. Uh, also during our time there, the first African-American president of the university student uh, body was elected. Uh, first woman uh, president of the student body, Patricia Wallace, was elected. She was a friend of ours. And so I was living a part of history, even though I didn't realize it. Um, and, and I was grateful uh, for the opportunities I had while I was there to go with Reggie, like to the Black Student Union, to step shows and uh, to be a part of things that were outside of my uh, cultural experience growing up as a, a white kid in Eastern North Carolina. Um, I, I also want to back up and just say it for in Wilson, I went to Hunt High School um, and was one of the first four year graduates of that high school. And our student body president uh, was Eric Pender our senior year. And he was um, the first African-American student body president, I believe at uh, Hunt High School in Wilson. And, our class president, Kimmy Jones, was our class president all four years, and she was also an African-American, and her uncle was our principal. Um, and so we had a very uh, good um, um, relationship among various races, I think, for the time uh, in our high school. I think being a new place where everybody was new made that more possible. Sure. Um, so I just wanted to mention those things simply because of this being a podcast about peace, justice, and freedom. Um, and also uh, went from Carolina and many great experiences there over to Duke Divinity School. Uh, met my wife on the first, first day of orientation at Duke. Oh, wow. um, and uh, she's also a United Methodist pastor, uh, Reverend Andy Woodhouse, and she'll be serving over at Campground United Methodist. Um, and uh, we dated for about a year, got married in um, May 9th of 1987. So we've been married now 34 years. I've been blessed with uh, two daughters, Lindsay and Taylor, and uh, they're now 30 and 28. Um, and uh, they're both wonderful young women. Uh, we have three grandsons, uh, Levi, who is nine, and Harvey, who is seven and Leo who's a year old who we've not yet had a chance to embrace but he's coming home on June the 1st Amen. all the way from Hong Kong Amen. and we'll have a chance to meet him then and uh, hug him for the first time. Amen. Amen. 
David, an awesome journey. And I thank you so much for um, weaving the stories of your life and the integration and, and experiences with, um, with people of, of different cultures that have all shaped and formed you into being the, the man of God and the pastor that you are and the husband that you are and father and grandfather and um, a, a great lead into this, this, um, this story that we look, to, look forward to hearing more about. David, a couple pieces, um, a shout out to all the folks who know Lexington, North Carolina. Uh, my, my first experience in Lexington was barbecue, and I, I was always happy to go back to Lexington. And there was also a, a, a store in downtown near the courthouse. There was a candy store. And I remember these big barrels of candy in there and just um, uh, I'm being just overwhelmed and, uh, and very happy about all that choice of candy going on. Is that still there as far as you know? I don't know, because, you know, when we moved away from Lexington, when I was a kid. And okay. I haven't really spent much time there in my adult life. Gotcha. Gotcha. Great, great location. Um, and then to, to just hear you talk about the Pamlico, certainly as that relates to my new life coming up here as I move that way toward the toward the um, that part of the state. What a what a beautiful area with all that water and all the woodlands and and the great people that are out that way. And um, certainly you're a product of that in terms of growing up in that area and knowing um, the beauty, as you said, about being along the Pamlico and, and the wooded areas that you ran through as a child and God's creation, um, certainly on display in all that, mm. that beautiful part of the country and that, that state. Um, I loved your phrase about living a part of history and not even realizing it. Um, I think a lot of times we, we, that's what life is like. And we're not, we don't realize until we look back on it and sort of reflect on what's happening in our live stories um, about that. Um, so, so let's jump, if we could, David, to this idea of justice, freedom, and peace. And, and one of the, the things that, um, that I was struck at when I woke up and um, heard the news as I was trying to do my best to be on, on that treadmill this morning was this was the one year anniversary of, of George Floyd and, and the shooting there in Minneapolis. And then all that has happened over the course of a year. And certainly that the justice is certainly on the minds of many people perhaps today as we, as we consider that. And as we record this podcast today, um, David, I'd love to hear just uh, maybe just your, your, your sense of, of justice and then how your idea of justice has been, impacted and influenced by your your time in the ministry um but would love to just sort of open that up to you and have you you know follow wherever that the lord's leading on that idea of what is justice yeah um you know uh andy and i were blessed a few years ago to go with uh, frank and rosalie turner on a peace and justice pilgrimage down to alabama and we spent a week on a bus almost kind of like a freedom rider situation where we were a diverse group of folks from across mostly central North Carolina, some pastors, some clergy, some uh, folks who don't even affiliate with churches, but found out about our pilgrimage and chose to join us. And we spent that week um, praying, talking with one another, learning from one another, but also going to historic sites uh, related to the civil rights movement um, and um, spending time listening to the firsthand stories of people who have lived through the events that occurred in those various places. Uh, 16th Street Baptist Church with the bombing and the, the death of the girls who were attending Sunday school. Um, you know, Selma, the Edmund Pettus Bridge, uh, Montgomery, Birmingham, uh, Coretta Scott, King's uh, home place, uh, their parsonage, uh, you know, um, going, walking into the study of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. 
and seeing his desk and his bookshelves left more or less the way they were at the time that he lived in that particular house and served that particular church. I went, even went down the street to the barber shop where he used to get his hair cut and, um, and talked to the barber there and uh, sat in the chair where Dr. King used to sit and have his hair cut. Okay. And, uh, and, and I spent a lot of time, uh, obviously even prior to that week, but during that week and a lot more, even after that week, thinking about, um, issues of justice and, um, and how far we have come, but how far we still need to go when it comes to racial justice in our country. Um, and just justice in the world is at large. I mean, it's the father of two daughters. Uh, I see the disparities that often exist between uh, what m opportunities men are given and women are given, uh, pay inequities, things like that. Uh, but certainly um, uh, on the anniversary of the death of George Floyd, uh, you know, you can't help but um, remember the times that I'm sure you've had this experience of sitting with a, a black friend who shares that they were pulled over by the police and harassed. Um, and, um, and I've not known someone personally who was harmed by the police physically, but I've known many people who have described a sense of fear and of being intimidated and mistreated uh, over things that those things would never happen to me, I don't think. In, in the same situation, um, and that's and that's heartbreaking in many ways, and it and it um, it brings up a, a level of holy discontent um, within my soul, and I, and for me that I understand that to be where the Holy Spirit you know shows us these things are not right, these things are not in accordance with God's will for humanity, and and uh, as followers of Christ, we're called to to speak up and speak out and, and to do what we can to make things right with God's help. And um, sometimes I think the, uh, the issues are, seem so large and so overwhelming and some of the inequities so entrenched and, and um, that you don't really know where to start. Um, William Barber, um, who um, is heading up the Poor People's Campaign and used to be the president of the NAACP here in North Carolina, um, was a classmate of ours at Duke. And um, I don't really know him personally. I, you know, I've spoken to him when we were classmates and attended classes with him and that kind of thing. But over the years, I've watched and listened to him as he's appeared, you know, in various TV interviews and on the Joy Reid show numerous times and different things. And, and, uh, I think um, I've grown in my ability to to stop and listen to voices like his right. and to recognize the truth in much of what he says. Um, and, and so um, um, I, I, I hear the call for justice. Um, David, well, well said. I, lo I love how you, you tied this idea of holy discontent. You know, I think that that's something that the Holy Spirit gives us. And, and so when we're when we are moved, um, um, when we are um, finding our, our toes crunched a little bit or our heartstrings pulled or our minds just, you know, racing with the, um, the questions we might have, the seeking of answers. And, and I, I hope that um, as we have engaged in this in this in these podcasts is that my hope has been that through the conversations we're having, that it is sparking um, some holy discontent. 
um, and recognizing that our listeners may not agree with all that we say and we, we are right. sharing, but I hope that we're searching. You know, I hope that we're searching for um, how can we be seeking justice? How can we um, be aware of those inequities when we may not have been aware of them before, but now we're being aware of them because of that holy discontent that's, that's moving within us and, and, then, and then nudging us to action. You know, that that, that spirit is, um, is, is nudging you, sometimes shoving you into a place of action where you can try to make a difference. Um, and I think you're absolutely right, David, that the, the, the ideas of, of um, all that's happening can be overwhelming. And yet this season for me has opened up my eyes to have conversations with folks who can teach me, who, yes. can, help, who can help further my understanding of the different topics and injustices that are happening, um, that, that I, I would be moved to do more than just, than just listen. Um, but to, um, to speak, to preach, to teach, um, to do those things that God has given us gifts of as pastors, David, um, to employ those for the kingdom. Um, so I hope that it continues to happen through our podcast and as folks listen, um, and even when, when there's disagreement, I just pray that there's dialogue in the midst of that disagreement, have dialogue and then be directed by that Holy Spirit to, um, to act where you're called to act. Yeah, for sure. David, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you just um, helping us to I mean, folks that you're in school with and the conversations you're able to have and, and how that continues now as lifelong learners. You know, we all need to continue learning and growing. Um, we pray in grace um, toward that place of, um, of trying to help when we see those injustices to do something about that. Yeah, amen. Um, David, let's shift if we could now to, um, to a conversation about freedom. Um, we talk about this a lot in the church. We have this in our language of the church, the liturgies of the church. And and one in particular that um, that just uh, this this freedom and power that God gives us to resist evil, to resist injustice. I mean, there it is, right there, um, to resist oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. Where, where do you see, or where have you seen this lived out, David? And and as we use that in our liturgy, um, how are we doing that? That might be an unfair question, but how do you think we're doing as the the body of Christ in today of living out that freedom? Mm. Great question. Um, you know, it's interesting. I think my first Sunday there at um, Hay Street will be the 4th of July. Sure will be. <laughs> and Absolutely. it's our Independence Day when we celebrate the freedom we enjoy as citizens of the United States. And um, I think sometimes as uh, American Christians, uh, the waters get sort of muddy for us in terms of um discerning the difference between what we would describe as Christian freedom, um, the freedom that Christ gives us to do the will of God uh, and to be faithful, obedient followers of Christ, uh, empowered uh, and indwelled by the Holy Spirit, and maybe the political freedom that we enjoy as citizens of this particular nation. And we treasure both, you know, and so we celebrate both. Um, but Sometimes the waters can get kind of muddy for us on those issues. Um, I, I know we put flags in the sanctuaries after uh, the Civil War as a way of trying to invite churches to pray for the healing of the nation in the midst of a horrendous struggle uh, between the North and the South and all sorts of different ideologies around uh, equality and, and humanity. Um, and so uh, those flags have remained in, uh, in, and we have in most of our sanctuaries two Christian flags 
that remind us of our allegiance to a higher kingdom um, and to a Lord uh, who's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Um, I think uh, where I see uh, Christian freedom demonstrated within the church, obviously when people come and make their baptismal vows and they take that vow to resist injustice and oppression and evil in whatever forms they present themselves, they know when they're saying those words, they can't do that by their own strength. It's only by the gift of God uh, and, the, and the person of the Holy Spirit living in us and giving us that strength. And, um, and so as a pastor, what has been my joy over the years is to watch people live into that and to really open their lives to the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, as we just celebrated Pentecost Sunday this past Sunday, um, you know, to, to welcome the Spirit's presence and, and to say, come Holy Spirit, um, and, and invite the Holy Spirit to show us where we need to change, where we need to grow, what we need to leave off, mm. what we need to take on, mm. um, and to open ourselves to being washed and cleansed when that's needed, mm -hmm. uh, to being pruned when that's needed, mm -hmm. um, and not just on an individual basis, but also as a community, um, as the body of Christ, to, to say we want to bear fruit, and we know that there may be some things that need to happen to us in order to make us more fruitful. And so, Father, you know, we surrender to your will, and we have that model prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thy will be done. That's and that's not an easy prayer to pray. That's right. Um, but that that may include that some pruning is needed. Um, and um, and so that um, I think the freedom, again, is not a freedom to do whatever we want to whenever we want to do it. But it's rather the freedom to obey uh, God and to live into the will of God for our lives. Yeah. Um, David, well said. How, how often do we, you know, as I think about the, the life of the church and the life of our calling, that um, this freedom really goes with responsibility and, and that takes obedience, you know, so that yeah. seems to be sort of the freedom and obedience seem to be in contrast with each other. But if, if we are being obedient to God, if we're, if we're being faithful disciples, um, then he does give us this gift of freedom um, to resist and to resist the, the workings of, of, of evil and, and those injustices and oppression that, that, that's so real, that's so much a part of, um, of, of daily humanity life. And yeah, so great point there. David, I want to take your phrase because I really, I love what you did with the, with the baptism. And I want to lead this to, um, to our third um, theme of peace. You talked about being washed and cleansed. And immediately I thought about the Pamlico River again. Um, from your earlier part of the conversation. And so talk with me if you could, and I hope I'm not letting, letting something out of the bag I shouldn't let out here, but in, in our conversations preparing for your arrival here to Fayetteville, you had made a phone call. We shared a phone call one night. You're asking about a small boat that you had. And I would love to hear maybe just a story about what does that do for you? And where do you experience peace? Because I'm, I'm guessing there was some peace experience made out of that boat, but why why has that become something important to you to have that boat? And um, what does that mean for you as it relates to peace? Yeah. So um, funny part about that particular little boat, it's a Soroka, which means a sailing rowing canoe. Okay. okay. <laughs> and, it, and it's a boat from 1988 that I bought years ago from a guy down in Swansboro at this place called Wheels and Keels. Prior to that boat, I had a, 
catamaran, an 18-foot Soulcat catamaran that was fast as it could be and dangerous. <laughs> okay. And with our first baby on the way, uh, um, had already uh, gone too fast on the catamaran a few times and, and uh, uh, turtled it and stuff in the river. And, and I told my wife, I said, uh, I'm not sure we can put the baby on this catamaran. So I traded the catamaran in and got this little sailing rowing canoe. Um, and uh, unfortunately, it hasn't really been in the water since 2000. It just kind of has set. Um, a tree fell across it in 2002, I think it was, during an ice storm in Chapel Hill and cracked the hole. And then I repaired the hole, but I just never towed it to water again. <laughs> so just this past Saturday, my grandson and I um, actually washed it up, cleaned it up. And I mean, it's seaworthy. Uh, but as a kid growing up on the Pamlico, my dad purchased a sunfish sailboat when I was like 10 years old. And, uh, I, and back then, you know, kids could do all sorts of things they can't do now. And so my older brother, who's four years older than I am, and I and other boys from the neighborhood would take that sunfish sailboat, paddle out the little canal from our neighborhood out into the Pamlico River where it was a mile wide. And we would sail all day. <laughs> and have fun sure. on our lonesome, you know, no adult supervision required. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, just seeing the birds and, and the waves and the wind and the trees, you know, and the cliffs on the river and uh, the Spanish moss and uh, the fish jumping and the crabs and the clams and, and all of that, just being out in God's creation um, really formed and shaped a lot of who I am and, and what I appreciate about life. Um, and then later on, I uh, was a camp counselor at Camp Don Lee. And of course, that's our United Methodist camp in Arapahoe, North Carolina, down near Oriental on the Noose River, where it's five miles wide. And uh, when Andy and I first started in the ministry in Newburn, North Carolina, we actually lived at Carolina Pines uh, when we first moved down there, which is between Newburn and Havelock on the Noose River. And that's where we had the catamaran. We bought it from a Presbyterian minister up in the mountains. And he said, I haven't had this boat in the water for a long time. Nice. <laughs> and so we took that thing out on the Noose River. It was five miles wide and put the sail up. It was a 24-foot mast. And we would just take off and go. And those dagger boards in the pontoons would hum. And, and we would get going a little bit too fast sometimes. And I would have the, the uh, main sheet, the rope, that's attached to the sail clamped down in the cleats. And all of a sudden we'd hit a wind line where the trees weren't blocking the wind anymore and over that thing would go. Um, so, uh, so there's something about the quietness of sailing that I prefer over motor boating or jet skiing. I mean, those are fun too, but sure. uh, when you just hear the wind, the waves and the water and the voice of God, yeah. uh, that's something special. Sure. And so the reason the boat's still around is because someday I hope to put my two grandsons on it, at least the two that are old enough to go at this point and uh, teach them how to sail. Right. I hope that will happen soon, David, sooner than later, for sure. Yeah. Amen. Um, there's such a need for peace in our world today. And I think that the, the disruptions of the pandemic and the, I think the hunger for folks to try to get back together um, there, there is peace that can come with that as well. And I, I pray that that would be, be something that you get to experience um, certainly with those grandsons um, real soon. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of people during the pandemic rediscovered the peace in nature. 
Absolutely. Um, Amen. Um, I've heard a lot of people mention that they notice the sounds of the birds mm-hmm. more than they used to, you know, working from home with their windows open or whatever, or went, you know, out in the yard. Uh, sure. and, and nature kind of had a little bit of a respite, too, as we weren't driving our cars as much and there wasn't as much air pollution. And right. um, people had a chance to tend a garden. Sure. Uh, so there were, there were a lot of connections, I think, uh, to the peace that comes from uh, experiencing the presence of God in nature over the last year and a half or so. For sure. And that was much needed in contrast to a lot of the pain and suffering that people were going through, right. both with the pandemic and the, the racial divisions and political divisions in our nation. Right, right. Um, David, a, 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 great, a great transition for us. I want to um, try to wrap us up this afternoon um, as we finish up this recording for our next, um, our next upload for the folks listening on the podcast. I've been um, thankful for a book that the, the Cumberland County Library here has been able to get in my hands. And it's a book called Across That Bridge, Life Lessons and a Vision for Change by John Lewis. And um, you spoke about your, um, your peace and justice pilgrimage. And I had the, the blessing, the honor to be with Jacob, my oldest son, as he was interviewing for optometry schools. We had a chance to be in Montgomery. So when you spoke about the church, and you thought you spoke about those girls and and I, I remember standing across the street um, with Jacob as we he was interviewing at UAB that day and we took some time the day before just to travel along sort of the the the, the civil rights kind of journey there we were able to stop in the in the jail that um, letters from a Birmingham jail that that, um, that uh, I'm sorry in Birmingham that Dr. King was in and then we, we drove over to the church the church and um and it was a peaceful day um, and it was in the spring and the, there were some folks in the park and, uh, and Jacob and I just, um, just got out of the car and just stood there and just, um, looked at the church. And, uh, it was a moving moment for me to realize, um, what hatred really did to that city, um, mm. and how, how devastating that was to the people of that community and how today across from that church is a, is a huge, um, a huge museum, you know, and a, a reminder for us of um, the work that continues to be needed for us to do better, um, to address those injustices in the world. In his book, there's a there's an entire chapter on peace, of course, with um, John Lewis's work. And I'd just like to read this excerpt as a way to sort of maybe um, wrap us up today. And, and I thought it was um, a profound word that spoke about peace and justice together. And he quotes, he speaks about Dr. King. I mean, this is what um, John Lewis says. Martin Luther King Jr. said that peace is not the absence of tension, but the presence of justice. It is not the cessation of war that brings peace. It is justice that brings peace, even in the midst of struggle. So perhaps that's something for our listeners to consider, uh, maybe talk about in in their conversations. But I just loved how he brought together justice and peace in those words from Dr. King. And I pray that um, we all can continue to do that, um, certainly in our ministries, David, and in our lives um, as a people of faith, um, as we engage with people who may not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, but that we are doing our best to, um, to, live, to live out the gospel messages, the truths, um, this idea of, um, of what it is to be a people that are concerned about justice, freedom, and peace. And I thank you so much today, David, for your willingness to share those thoughts and ideas with us and for sharing your stories. Um, we believe that our stories matter and you have um, given us a, a chance to, 
to really um, get to know you, David. And I am um, I'm eager for um, the family here at Hay Street to get to know you even more. And, and this community of Fayetteville to come to know you and Andy as, um, as great people of God who are ready to serve and to serve faithfully um, for this, uh, this part of the God's kingdom. So David, thanks again for your time with us today. Any kind of final words to share with us or any words to pass along? Yeah, thank you, David, um, for your time. Um, I'm one of those people I would rather listen to somebody else's stories than tell my own. <laughs> and I think I told you that I heard uh, Nikki Gumbel recently say that what he loved about doing his podcast was he got to be quiet and ask the questions and listen. <laughs> and so I look forward to coming to Hay Street and hearing the stories of the good folks there, not only within the church, but also within the surrounding community. And, um, you know, my, my grandmother uh, used to live in Rayford. My dad grew up in Rayford. Fayetteville seems somewhat familiar to me, but I've never lived there before. Um, but as a kid, I used to always drive down Hay Street on my way over to Rayford to my grandmother's. And of course, it's changed a lot from what it was like back in the 1960s and 70s um, when I remember driving through that area. But uh, I appreciate the long, faithful witness that Hay Street United Methodist Church has had right. in that whole community there. And I look forward to being a part of that continued witness. Amen. Well, they can't wait for you, David. And it's going to be a great, a great season to come for you. And yeah, Hay Street has certainly changed. Um, and we're grateful for the way that that has evolved. And and more to come with all the great things happening downtown. And we can't wait for you to be a part of that too, for sure, for sure. Um, friends, the next time you hear from us on the podcast, David will be hosting. So I'm ecstatic about that. You'll have a chance to hear those stories, David. And I'm just grateful for your time today and just look forward to, um, to hearing more stories as I become a listener um, and can't wait to hear about more stories coming from this great community called Fayetteville. And we thank our sponsors, the North Carolina Conference, the United Methodist Church, the Cool Spring Downtown District. And most importantly, we thank you listeners for taking a, taking a moment out of your day to listen from Stories from the Center. Have a great afternoon, everyone. God bless. And thanks again, David, for being with us today. God bless you.